Welcome to episode 53 of the Two Indie Authors Podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. On today's show, Rob and I will be discussing a step-by-step guide on how indie authors can get their books into bookstores. That's before we will be answering a mailbag question sent in by one of you fine listeners. And then at the tail end of the show, children's book author and illustrator Rory Ray joins us from the northeast of England to face our seven questions however we shall begin as we always do this is a script on, i i know the script by heart now i've been saying it for 53 weeks now um we normally discuss here the week that was but it's actually been a couple of weeks mm, since we last spoke Rob, because we've both been on a lovely holiday um how was your break it was really nice thank you uh we had cracking weather um so i went to corfu in greece and oh, nice. this was just what you need this time of yeah, year. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But this was the um this was the holiday I've been waiting for since becoming a parent. So uh you know, it really stuck with Olivia's swimming lessons. Um I don't know if I I may have mentioned it on the podcast back in December, uh, uh last year or January, where she wouldn't even get in a swimming pool. Um and we just yeah. stuck at it, stuck at it, and then we've had a holiday before then um where she's been in the water but she's never like got in the big pool this time we got one of those fins you know like the floats that you put around their chest and their stomach it's like a shark fin on their back. oh yes and um, she's had a go on them in her swimming lessons we bought her one took her to the big pool even though this place had like an incredible kids pool took her to the big pool and then like she was floating around with me and then after like 10 minutes i just let her go and she like panicked thrashed around and then realized oh wait i'm not going under and then for the whole holiday, right. all she wanted to do was get in the pool with me. So we were just swimming around the right, pool nice. and, and playing. So um, absolutely wonderful break, really well needed. Had an unfortunate, like, Soph got like a, a bit of a, a sickness bug on like the final day. Oh, no. And then I got it. Um, and then like, Olivia's had like ah. a bit of a chest infection because of the cold weather. So like we've had like, a bit of illness in the house, but... Um, yeah, uh, it's it's uh, been a while since we've spoke, obviously, because we pre-recorded a few episodes because uh, our holidays dovetailed. But wonderful yeah. time. Uh, you had an unbelievable holiday as well. I've Great. seen it on your social medias, right? Yeah, not me and my best mate for you know we we grew up on the same road pretty much. Um, we're both big U two fans, and when U two announced that they were going to play in the in Sphere, which is this new amazing um, piece of architecture on the Vegas Strip, we said, "Fuck it, let's do it." So, um, yeah, we put the money down and we flew into LA there about two weeks ago, and then stayed in Hollywood for a few days, and then drove, which was always a dream of mine to drive oh, yeah. the desert road into Vegas. Um, I don't think I'll do it again, but uh, it was. <laughs> It was still a big box tick, but uh, yeah, Vegas is nuts. And it's one of them holidays where I was thinking, okay, soak it in. You know, this is memories forever. Soak it in, soak it in. And then when I got home and people were asking me, how was Vegas? I couldn't remember any of it. <laughs> and that, it's a bit like your wedding day. You know, your wedding yeah. day, you're thinking, I have to soak this in and remember it forever. And then the next day, I can't remember what happened <laughs> yesterday. It was one of them. Um, 
but yeah, and it was good because I moved to England about eight years ago. Mm. And so me and my best friend, we, we just, we were only seeing each other three times a year, you know what I mean? Four times a year when I take a, a cheap Ryanair flight back to Dublin. And even at that, I'm trying to see so many people that were really just hanging out for one night. Um, it's a good time with him. Three or four times a year. So it was, yeah, it was nice to have that time um, with him because my life is surrounded by women at the moment. I have a daughter, no son, a wife, no husband, a mother, no father. I have a sister, no brother. Um, I have two mother-in-laws. You know, my, my life is women. Um, so it was nice to have a bit, a bit of lad time and a bit of a Telman and Louise drive time that's, with, with me, me good mate Barry. That's actually the reason we did this podcast because you and I just need some real macho men time, right? Because that's what we <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> we need penis. <laughs> By the way, it's year two, of, more, year know. two of the Indie Authors podcast. It's taken a little bit of a turn, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. people, if you haven't seen this sphere that's in Vegas, is unbelievable. Yeah. Check out David's um, Instagram and Facebook because I think there's you put videos on there, and I was blown away by it. Um, yes, nuts. And obviously, we should uh, yeah apologise to our listeners because we couldn't make a podcast um, for the week just gone. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes life, sometimes work, sometimes these things do get in the way. Um, but obviously we're back now, uh, back, uh, behind the mic and also back behind our computers. So, um, over the last week since you've been back from holiday, David, how's, um, life been as an author? Grand, uh, it hasn't been as productive as I would have hoped, but the, um, funny enough, I got home on the Sunday night and then. I was thinking it's going to take me a few days to get any work done because the jet lag's going to settle in. But funny enough, on the Monday and the Tuesday, I overworked. I did lots. I think I had taken a break from my screenplay that I'm writing and the novella I'm writing. And that really does work, taking a break from it, I feel, because the next day then I was right into it. I had ideas. I was flowing. So the Monday and Tuesday, I was quite productive. But then the, later in the week, I think the jet lag really kicked in. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was um, just want to, wanting to lie in bed. So I don't have unfortunately for our listeners much to update them on on the progress of my author career since i last spoke to them a little bit of progress but uh, really not a- a- enough well, what about you rob did, when you got home from your holiday you had a bit of an illness but did you get dug into work yeah i mean i got back it, it was like the back end of the first week i was off i was just bed bound for like a day or two um i've just been i'm in between book and the launch so i've been tackling all the admin right. stuff that i've just put on the back while i focused in on um getting the book done so um as you can i got a blog tour booked ready to go um so i've never really done one of them before yeah. so that'll be an interesting thing like right. i had the um proofread and the full edit back of my jack townsend book the one that's the, the blog talks uh blog tour is for um some stunning nice. feedback from Emma and from my proofreader about it. So again, it's kind of an unknown Great. for me. I, I I think it's good. I you know I can write a Sam Hope book and go, yeah, that's good. Whereas this one, I'm like, well, I think it's yeah. good, but I'm getting some good feedback so far. And um, a few friends of the show Great. are reading it beforehand, and um, I got obviously a blog tour set, so there should be a lot of reviews coming out of it over the next few weeks, and they'll either sink or swim. So um, I'm excited for that. Um, interestingly, I mean, there's not, I don't ever look too, too much into it. Um, um, you know, I have a, a gentleman who's doing screenplays of some of the Sam Hope books. I think I've mentioned it before. Oh yes. That's um, right. He contacted you. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's, he's worked on a few other projects and things like that. Um, he's a, a lovely man. And, um, 
he just made contact. So over the last couple of weeks, I've had, I've had uh, chats with two separate producers. Um, which nice. again, I, I think one, one of them seems like really keen. Um, and another one is a bit like, oh, we, we would like call like executive producer. Like if you had funding, we would probably go, okay, this project's moving. We could get involved in it. But um, I yeah. don't see masses happening out of it. Um, but again, there's no harm in going down and having these conversations. And if I didn't write these books, Absolutely these not. opportunities wouldn't come up. So yeah, it's just been, it's been quite a full on few weeks, not a load of writing, but kind of getting all my house in order. So when NaNoWriMo starts next week, back on the writing. Two Okay, Rob, our main talking point for episode 53 is getting your books mm. stocked in bricks and mortar bookstores. Now, this is the romantic idea that pretty much every author listening to this would have grown up with. Mm. I mean, it might not be the romantic idea they have now, given the modern world, but certainly when we were growing up, you would have thought, well, it'd be great to just see my book on the shelves in a bookstore. Yeah. Um, so we, we've had some listeners sort of mention this to us that, that that's sort of where they would like to take their career. So we're going to give them pretty much a five step process on how you can get your books uh, onto those shelves. But this this is something, Rob, I think me and you, before we get into that five step process, there's probably a few disclaimers, I think, that we should probably talk our listeners through. Do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um because like you said it's a very romantic idea um, to have your book <laughs> in the in the in bookshops because you know again that's what you grew up wanting to do. So like you said a couple of disclaimers. I think maybe we should just caveat this whole conversation with. So by all means, people should follow the five steps we're going to get into because you should have your books available yeah. in as many places as possible. That's always um, yeah. that should just be a fundamental part of your business plan. Um, however. I think the first biggest disclaimer we should say is that getting your books into bookstores, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to sell, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it really doesn't. I swear it doesn't because, I mean, I've been through this process. So there's, there's a great bookstore, well-renowned bookstore called Hodges and Figgis in Dublin. Mm -hmm. There's a few branches of it. And I used this five-step process that we're going to talk um, our listeners through in the next couple of minutes to get them to stock my books. And I was so delighted when I got an email one day saying, yes, we, we, we've purchased books from Ingram Sparks. We'll talk you through that in a minute as well. And um, your books are now displayed in Hodges and Vegas. And I went, great. So I actually was living in England at the time, but I took a plane to Ireland to go see my book oh, in wow. the bookstores. And I couldn't, couldn't really find it because you're expecting, you know, David B. Lyons, <laughs> you know, you're expecting it to hit you in the face. But of course, I was in amongst, my books were, it was a crime book. It was midday. It was my debut novel. And it was in amongst the hundreds or maybe even thousands of other crime books in the crime book section. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see it even face out. They had two copies of it and they were both spine facing out, if you know what I mean? Yes. Along with hundreds of other books. So and... It, it just was not the romantic notion I had. And the truth of it is, is if you're putting your book on bookshelves with hundreds or thousands of other books, you're not really guaranteed book sales no, you're not. from bookstores. And, and, and it's worth just chipping in here. So a bit of behind um, the scenes knowledge that I have, because I spoke to publishers about this, is publishers. Mm -hmm. So this is why 
we will caveat and why probably David the underlying message we do have is you and I focus mainly on ebook sales as in the authors because we control the advertising yeah. that pushes people directly to buying those books right so that's what you lose by putting them yeah. in bookshops um, because you just lost yeah. in amongst all the other thousands and thousands and thousands of books but you're not directing people straight to it like you are with ebooks I remember speaking to a publisher yeah. so um, if your book's spine like your spine was facing out on that shelf and then you'll be come along that mm -hmm. list and then suddenly there's a book face forward the publisher has paid for that the book yeah. doesn't go exactly. oh we want to put this book front forward so this is where the big publishers who don't really like indie authors who try to talk about how it's not real authoring blah 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 the gatekeepers they pay money to have their books face forward on the shelves they pay more money to have their books on the tables that you see throughout the shop and things like yeah. um the Richard and Judy book club, as good as that is, yeah. um, you know, to see that, that they don't select a book. They don't just pluck a book out and go, this is our thing. Publishers yeah. pay <laughs> thousands. I'm talking five figures okay. to get that yeah. sticker slapped on the front of it and put in their little Richard yeah. and Judy cardboard stand that goes at the front of WH Smith's. So when we talk yeah. about gatekeeping, that's where gatekeeping comes in, especially when it comes to paperbacks. So, like you're yeah. saying now, I remember my book, uh, Doorways, my publisher was like, oh yeah, I got it into, I can't remember where it is now, is it Forbes? In right, London. Yeah, Forbes, yeah. In London. I was like, oh my God. So I, again, I got on a train, I went Great. to London, it took me about 25 minutes to find it. And it was like on the bottom shelf in the far corner of the sci-fi section, yeah. wrong section anyway, because he's put it in the wrong one. Right. And it's just tucked in spine first. So you'd have to get down on your hands and knees and arch your head around to see it. And then it's like, okay, yes. we'll take that out and put it more prominent. That's what Sophie said to me. God, take it out and put it somewhere more prominent. I was like, but I know they're yeah. just going to move it back because they've been paid to do that. So, yeah, it goes back yeah. to your thing of, I guess it kind of ties in uh, neatly is, you know, this isn't how you're going to sell your books ultimately, right? It really isn't. You're so right. There's prominence for books that play the political game um, who are paying the thousands of pounds to have their books facing forward, their books in a window display, their books on the table uh, at the front of the store. Um, you're so right. That's not going to happen to us unless we're willing to play that sort of traditional uh, game. And being in bookstores is a traditional game. And because of so much politics and red tape, like you just explained there, Rob. Um, but also... Yeah, being an indie author is a digital business because we're advertising online, we're selling online. So selling your books digitally is how we predominantly make our money. We are not going to be bringing in tens of thousands of pounds by selling our books through bookstores. Um, so one question that every author listening to this right now needs to ask themselves is, do they really want or do they really need to be in bookstores? Is this part of their business plan? If it is because you like a little ego boost, that's great. And we're, we're fan of ego boosts mm. here at uh, Two in the Authors HQ. But um, that's really all it will be. It's not going to be a method or a revenue stream that will bring in the tens of thousands of pounds per year to give you a full-time wage at authoring. Like it can do if you sort of follow the model that Rob and I have done or Carrie True or LJ Ross or Mark Dawson or any of these big seller, big selling indie authors. It's, it's pretty much 98% online. You are advertising online to sell online. Mm -hmm. So being in bookstores is really 
it's for the ego. It's not for the bank. Um, and also, I think, Rob, we should say is that the the revenues that you will get yeah. from a single sale of a book through a bookstore is pennies yeah. compared to the few pounds you can get uh, by selling an ebook or a paperback online through Amazon. Yeah. So the 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 Ingram Spark are taking 15% and then the bookstore themselves are taking 50% at least um, on that. So you're talking about by the time you sell one paperback for say 10.99 in a WH Smiths, you personally, the author and even the owner of the IP and the publisher of the book, you're still getting pennies. Yeah. It's it's literally cha-ching, cha-ching. It's just, you're just hearing pennies drop. You're not, there's no notes. No, it's not the lovely sound involved. of paper. But um, I think, David, yeah. Dave, you're a really good um, voice of authority on it because I think, especially your Alex book, you've done some phenomenal stuff uh, paperback-wise, yeah. getting that into stores. Um, before we go into the plan, mm-hmm. the last thing we say is you, may, you did make a good point there. This is not saying you can't make money through paperbacks. This is us saying from our experiences, because I sell a lot of paperbacks online, but I yeah. make very, my lowest stream of income is from Ingram Spark. So we'll go into that. Mm-hmm. We'll, see, we'll get to the Ingram Spark bit. So this isn't a don't have your books in paperback format. That's not that. And now we're also not saying don't have your books available for bookshops. This is if you're driven to get your books into bookstores and you're neglecting the digital side of ebooks and selling paperbacks through places like Amazon and Kobo and uh, Barnes Noble. If you're wide, this is a you yeah. Know, this is how you're going to do it. But our disclaimer is: is your efforts are probably better served going the digital route. However, disclaimer out of the way, David. You know we've had our vegetables. We'll mm-hmm. get into the meat now. Um, <laughs> so I'll kick us off with the first step. And it's probably the most obvious yeah. one is your book needs to be professional as hell and it needs to be formatted correctly um, because no one wants to buy a book that has mistakes in it. So obviously all the things we usually say, the cover, the editing, the proofing, all that needs to have been done. You need to make sure the book is formatted correctly for a paperback because they're very different. They, yeah. they, they have to have certain um, stylistic things. They have to have certain like um, spaces and tabs and all that stuff. Um, so those types of things have to be taken into account. Though. So for me, I remember I tried to do my first ones on like in Microsoft Word, right? And the paperback it spat yeah. out at me basically was like someone had just chewed it up and spat it at me. It was so bad because I'm not a Microsoft <laughs> Word expert. But that's why... <laughs> There are services out there. Like there are companies that'll do it for you. There are people like editors and proofreaders. Those people probably have I know my editor does it. She she offers a formatting service. But then like you and you and me, David, we use we're massive proponents of Vellum, which is a soft piece of software, which like was a few hundred pounds? I think it was when I did one off payment and you can literally upload a word file to it and it automatically formats it for you i mean you have to go in maybe and and do a couple of adjustments to it but without that your book isn't going to go anywhere if it's not if it's not done properly true i think vellum um rob is our number one answer to the best service Uh in the authors um have used Uh uh, in our seven questions so vellum for formatting absolutely um rob and i use that great but yeah the, the point robert's making there is absolutely true your book has to look 
like it fits next to a Michael Connolly book or a Lee Child book. It has to, if, if you want Eason's or Waterstones or W.H. Smith to stock your book, it, it gotta, it's got to look professional. You, they're not going to stock your book um, with a cover designed by your best mate who's a digital mm-hmm. designer or designs websites. That's not going to happen. Your book has to look, and that's the cover, and inside formatting, as Rob said, professional. It has to look like it belongs on the shelves of WH Smith's. So that's your very first well, step. Well, there's an extra... Everything has to be professional. Part of that, though, missed out um, in the first part of professional is you need a barcode. So we... Yes. Yeah. Obviously, if you upload through Amazon, you can Amazon can assign you a barcode to your paperback that they'll print on demand for you. However, mm-hmm. for things like Ingram Spark... Um, we've spoken about this before. I'm pretty sure we've answered questions on this. You need to have a barcode that you own to be able to upload the book anyway, because then that's the obviously unique yeah. number that they can put in their catalogs and people can blah, blah, blah. And it all comes up on the till. Everyone knows how a barcode works. Um, so yeah. to get those, and it's Nielsen's in the UK. Yeah, you're, you're, what you're really looking to do is purchase an ISBN number. Yes. And it's the ISBN number that will um, will create the barcode. So you can buy ISBN mm-hmm. numbers, like Rob just said, from Nielsen's in the UK. And you can buy them in a package. I think I'd buy 10 for like £100 or something like that. I, I did can... it recently. I had to buy a new batch because is, I've written it... so many books now, David. But it's gone from, from about £100. I think it was about £120, £130 or something like that for, for 10 ISBNs for a, that I own. Yeah, you have to buy them in it's the smallest batch. Yeah. Obviously, if you could you could buy 20 from, for you, you save a little bit of money, but it's whether or not you, you're yeah. going to write 20 books. Like that's that's the, the the thing you need to do, but exactly. you need one of those. Otherwise, yeah. you can't actually get your book into the places that can then sell your book onto the bookstores. So, exactly. So your book has to look professional. That's ASIN barcode formatting and cover. That's a no brainer, and that's just the end of that sort of point. Because if it doesn't look professional, you're not going to get stocked in uh, bookstores. But how do you get stocked in bookstores if your book looks professional and you feel it can um, rightly sit beside a Lee Child book or a Michael Connolly book? Well, in order to get your book available in these bookstores, you should be distributing or uploading your book to Ingram Spark and even Gardeners. And these are two wholesale outlets that will print your book and then distribute them to any bookstores who order Mm -hmm. in from them. So we've mentioned Ingram Spark a few times. For those who don't know, it is a wholesaler, a bit like KDP, your Amazon. You will upload your paperback, go through a process. It's a little bit more complicated, I think, perhaps than KDP. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not going to take you all day. It'll probably take you a half an hour, an hour to really upload a book and get everything up there. And then from there, once it becomes available in Ingram Spark, that means any WH Smiths or your local bookstore or anybody can contact them or order through them and bring in the bring in yeah. the product for their bookstore. So um, Ingram Spark and Gardeners, but Ingram Ingram Spark predominantly yeah. that will give you the best chance of being stocked in bookstores. Yeah, and when you when you do it, you have to you have to offer. David mentioned it earlier. The the whole thing is fifty percent. What you mean by that is, say your book costs you you want to make like a two pound profit, right? Ingram get a cut. Mm-hmm. You have to then make sure the so uh. uh retailer 
isn't going to buy your book at full value, right? They're not going to do that. They want to sell it Mm -hmm. at full value, but they're not going to buy at full value because it makes them no profit. So to get your books ordered the most, you need to offer a significant discount. That's part of the upload process. It says how much discount are you going to give? And you can do like 25, 30. I think you can even do like a, yeah, you can put your custom percentage in if you want. But it's worth remembering, the higher the discount you're willing to offer them at wholesale price, the more likely your book is to sell. Well, well, they're more likely to pick up and put it in their shop. Like we said earlier, that doesn't guarantee sales. But obviously, if you're then taking Mm -hmm. 50% off the value of it and Ingram take their cut, you're not ending up with a lot of profit. But it's worth remembering um, you do need to do that. Now, when it comes to Ingram's catalog that they have, you can pay for more prominent positioning. I did it once. I saw a small uptake in sales. I didn't see anything that'd make me ever do it again, if I'm honest. But again, like our disclaimer, yeah. I focus more on my digital sales. So um, so when we're talking about Ingram, there was another one other point I wanted to make just regarding this that people need to be aware of. There used to be an upload fee for Ingrams, like $50 to upload a book. I think they've scrapped right, that, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm correct. They however, have, yeah, they've scrapped that in the last six months. However... Yeah to make adjustments to your book that still has a fee attached i think it's like 25 dollars if you even need so if they, you right. see and that you know we're indie authors mistakes happen we're in control we can go in and upload a new file the day we find out about the mistake um if you're with yeah. the alliance of independent authors ali um you get given a it's a Night, is it less than 100 pounds a year to, to have a membership there? You get um, part of your yeah. benefits is a code that means you can make as many adjustments as you want and uh, it doesn't cost you a thing. So, just worth remembering if Thank you're you. at a certain point in your indie author career, um, there's no fee to upload books to Ingram anymore, but there is a fee to update them once they're uploaded. So, worth noting. Exactly. Good point. So, Rob, our Listeners are following what we said. They have completed the first two steps. They have a professional book. It looks great. They have uploaded to Ingram Spark and given the appropriate discount to wholesalers. But that doesn't mean that their book is going to be picked up by retailers no. straight away, right? So what can they do? What, what, what would step three be in order for a wholesale or for a retailer to order true Ingram Spark. So to, to to douse the flames of interest in your book by these uh, <laughs> things, there's probably two ways of doing it. There's two ways of doing it. Um, <laughs> one of them is a more digital way. You can find who these buyers are for these um, companies. I mean, there's so much yeah. information on the internet now. Most companies, you know, they share who their team members are. You've got platforms like LinkedIn. You could go on LinkedIn, type in Waterstones buyer, and you'll probably get a list of yeah. people who work at Waterstones who are buyers. So you can, it's the same as like looking for an agent, right? Or looking for yeah. uh, publishers. Painful process. You could go, and then yeah. the thing is, is you'll probably be able to contact them. You could send them a message. You could send them an email if you're on LinkedIn. You can private message them. Just have a nice proposal. Don't just message them flat and go, I'm an author, get my book. You know, jazz it up a little bit, put together a small, you yeah. know, you could do a nice PDF or or you could just have a nice covering letter like you would on like a job interview that just highlights, you know, and if you've sent stuff off to agents, you've probably already got something like that. Just something that gives them yeah. straight away, you know, short, snappy, just 
this is who I am. This is what I write. This is how many it's sold. This is the genre. I'd really appreciate it. I'd love to get into the stores. I really think it could, you know, all that gumph. Yeah. But you'd have to go out. Yeah, you got to give them a reason why they're, hmm. the people who walk into their stores will want to buy your exactly. book. So tell them why. So pull quotes um, from blog tours or any media, like saying this is a, a, a heart-thumping thriller or whatever. That works. And um, also you'll really need to make clear in this email to these buyers that you have the 55% yep. discount selected on Ingram Spark. So that's attractive to them. They go, okay, well, we're buying this book in cheap and we can sell it full price. Um, so anything that will make, now think about this. This is a buyer sitting in an office whose job it is to buy books for his or her store. So they're probably getting 50 or 100 of these Inundated. emails a day. There's probably thousands of yeah, inundated. They probably got thousands of books that they could provide um, their bricks and mortar store with. So why will they want to stock yours? Your email that Rob is talking about that you're going to send to these buyers is pretty much going to be your sales pitch of why your book should be sitting on their shelf. Yeah, and remember, just also remember, there's a very, 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 very strong chance they have no idea who you are or what your book is. They've mm -hmm. probably never heard of it. So don't be offended. Yeah. And obviously, don't just assume because you know you've written a book. They know you've written a book. So yeah. just, again, be as respectful as you need to be when dealing with people. Um, yeah. So th that, that's one way of uh, getting in touch with these stores and getting your books in there, David. Yeah, step three, yeah, is get that email list out and, and start contacting buyers for these major stores. What's the other way? Um, step, step four is, is it, it, it's a little bit easier. Um, and this is probably the ego soother that you, you, you're looking for if you want your books in bookstores is because you would probably want your friends or your family to see it. So local bookstores mm -hmm. um, are much easier to get stocked in than, say, the Waterstones on Oxford Street in London, right? Um, so if you go down to your local WH Smiths or Waterstones or your, even your local independent bookstore with a copy of your book, and uh, a really nice pitch saying, you know, this is available on Inc. True Ingram Spark Lightning Source for a 55% discount. We think you would benefit from selling this. Um, uh, you could even say it's, this could be potentially true. It, the book is set in this uh -huh. area. So we think you would really get uh, some strong um, footfall about this book. I am marketing this book online, I would like to mention your store in the marketing. It's available in Becky's bookshop on Bridge Street, you know. Um, so give them your best pitch. And it's an easier, this is an easier process of arriving at a bookstore with your book in hand compared to step three that Rob talked you through, which is, you know, getting out that painful email list and, and, and emailing a hundred buyers with your pitch because it's a bit more personable. And I think you're likely to be more successful with a local bookstore than you are with a big chain yeah. and that email process, Rob, right? So cold calling into local bookstores is, is recommended for that ego boost. I agree, for the ego boost, for the ego boost, not for the sales. Yeah. Because no, not, not being harsh, having five of your books selling every month in Becky's bookshop up the road is nice for the ego. Yeah. Getting a yeah. head buyer at Waterstones interested in your book is a different um, outcome. 
Again, I don't think it, yeah. again because of Absolutely. the discounts, because of all that, you'd have to you would have to ship fucking thousands upon thousands to see any significant like proper return on that. However, yeah. step three, if you're successful with um, reaching out to these people, would probably see more sales. But step four mm-hmm. would probably guarantee some sales. And, and that's that's yeah. that's the the trade up because Important. and again the other the other side of it is all the personal thing. Uh, most people who work in bookshops love books. They like to talk to authors. And do you know I mean most uh, they're, they're, if you go in there with a book and you say I oh, sit in the area, I'm a local author, that they're they're, they're 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 probably unlikely to say no. Like um, it feels yeah. a little bit of like a yeah. um, kind of putting them on the spot. However, like I said, it's. It's a very small reach. They're not then going to reach out. You know, if, if I go to the Waterstones in High Wycombe and I go, no, I'm a local author, I'll come in, I'll sign them all, all that stuff. They'll probably say yes, but they're on the mm-hmm. phone to someone else and go, oh, by the way, this author came in. You should buy his books. They'll probably say, yeah, some local author came in and we've given him a small spot on the table, got a half price signed books, whatever. But that's just a reality of how these things work. It's all political because people pay to be in those yeah. shops. And unless Waterstones make the decision that you're going in the shop, you're not going to get in the shop that much. So um, we, we promised five steps, David. What is the final step? Well, the final step here is 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 going to annoy our listeners um, because what it is is you have to follow up on this. So what you did in step three and four, you now have to follow up on. And this is how I got my books stocked in Hodges Vegas in Dublin. It was the follow-up emails and the follow-up phone calls that really made the buyer go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I was reminding him. I was putting my book back in his mind. And he eventually then bought in, like, I think it was only a half a dozen books, if you know what I mean, for this bookstore. And amongst those half a dozen books sold, he wasn't exactly itching or scratching to get more in, yeah. if you know what I mean. So constant reminders of, hello, I'm still here. I'm still writing great books. You can still sell my great books um, if you wish. It's it, it, like step three is a painful process. Rob likened it to trying to find an agent. It is that way you are looking for email addresses online. And then you have this great email that you've written up that you're going to personalize for this particular buyer and then send off. It's not a great process. Step five is then following up with all of those emails and reminding them that, you know, you can still get this great book for a 55% discount. I would be very um, grateful if you could stock even half a dozen or a dozen books for me. I will market this book towards your bookstore. I'm going to drive foot traffic toward, you know, you you explain to them how you can help their bookstore earn money. It's not about you. To them, they couldn't give a shit. They're job is to create profit for the company for the bookstore that they work for so how can your book help their company make money so that's what you're going to discuss in the follow-up email and i swear from my practices of this and my experience of this one email is not going to do so you're going to have to go through the process of step five here that rob and i are giving you and that is these follow-up phone calls or emails they are pivotal and these are the ones that will really tip it's step five that will tip it all over the edge for you and you will finally get a, a book buyer going, okay, I'll, I'll give this guy a break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order in eight of his books and let's see how they yeah, do. Yeah, and I think that's the overriding message of it is that's why we put the disclaimer at the beginning is that is a long process. We've highlighted the processes yeah. you have to do, the amount of legwork you have to do, whether that's physically going to shops 
or reach researching and reaching out to all these people and then you couple that up with the discounts you have to offer the minimal returns you get on it this is why we said as as us this is just us if this is what you want to do go for it we there's no wrong or right or wrong way to do this it's why getting into bookshops isn't such a pivotal part of yours and my plan david and it's why we just want people to be aware of if that's the dream you want to be an independent author and you want to be in bookshops go for it if you want to make a serious career out of it and make a good living off of it the amount of work for the minimal return it's not an avenue we've prioritized however we've given you five steps there and if you want to see your book in a bookshop go for it to indie authors. bing bang. It's time for the mail bag. It's time for the mail bag. Time for the mail bag. There you go. Nice. Do you know what? I used to sing that to get my child for the kids. <laughs> anyway. Mailbag. Well, that was worth the wait. Worth the wait. <laughs> Mailbag time. And we've got a question sent in from Patricia Headley. Headley. Thanks, Patricia. Um, thank you, Patricia, for sending it in. Starts off wonderfully by saying, I am obsessed with your show. That's nice. strong, that is. Uh, thank you so much for all of the help <laughs> and support you have offered since I found your podcast. You're very welcome. That's why we love doing this. Uh, my question yep. is, what is the one thing you both did that made you a success as a self-published author? Oh, it's a big one. It's a small question, but big answer. Isn't it? What's the one thing you both did that made you a success as a self-published author? One thing. I mean, we're always talking, Rob and I are always preaching about being professionals and making sure those covers look um, as good as they can uh, and everything is formatted to, to, to professionally. So be professional is always my go-to answer here. But I'll give you a different answer, Patricia. I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that really made me a successful author was um, putting my money where my mouth yes. was. So investing in myself. I've really gone, do you know what? I'm after writing these books. I'm going to pump a few grand into marketing them and really sort of get my name out there and try it. So I know this is a bit pretentious, the answer, because I, I happened to have the cash. I had some capital to really begin this business. And there are people, I know there's, there's listeners here who really don't have the capital or the, the funds to sort of pump into getting their, their um, books out there. But that is definitely, I know, hand on heart the one thing that really made me successful with this was I was able to put my book in front of tens of thousands of people on Facebook or on Amazon and go this is a, a, a new author check him oh. out so having that funds and believing in myself trusting that if I put five grand into this I believe I can get ten oh. grand back so really believing in myself and putting my money where my mouth is is what made me a success at this what about you, Rob? What's the one thing? I mean, this is an opportune time for me to, you know, beat the drum of, you know, nothing sells your book more than your next book. But I think I'll offer a better answer than just writing books. Um, I think I've I've preached this a lot on the podcast as well. Um, when my wife said to me, you can put your mind to anything, but not everything. That was a massive yeah. eye-opener for me because... Um, 
that focused me in, right? That was like, okay, well, this is going to get me being an author quicker is sitting and focusing on writing the books and learning the things that will get me there. So the marketing side of it, the mail list side of it, all this stuff. So I guess yeah. the one thing to do is I kind of tunnel visioned in. I kind of shut out all the noise of other ways I could become my own boss or other ways of making money online. Yeah, we've all done that. You always see someone, there'll always be an advert somewhere if someone's made loads of money doing this thing that you could easily do online. And then you go down a rabbit yeah, hole yeah. and you spend, I mean, I did it with YouTube. I've said that a few times. I started spending hours trying to make YouTube Actually, videos. Yeah. And my wife said, like, what are you doing that for? <laughs> you, could have spent, you could have written half a book in the time you've spent making those five videos. And those videos have got you nothing. And a, a new book would get you this. So I guess for me, the the, the thing that made me successful self-published author was the being able to focus in on what the end goal was and literally cutting out everything apart from what I needed to do to get there. To Okay, Rob, it's time for our favorite section of the show. It's the seven questions, and we've lined up a fantastic guest uh, to spend the next 25 minutes in our company. It is Rory Ray, all the way from Belfast in Northern Ireland. Rory, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. No problem at all. Thanks for having me, guys. Great. You're interesting to us, uh, Rory, because you have written a fantastic children's book, and it's actually aimed at um, children of the ages Rob and I both have uh, mm. it looks like a great book uh, it's fantastic it's called Hopeful Harold and His Haunted Home a great lesson there in uh, alliteration that's it my daughter who is seven is studying alliteration at the moment so I'm actually going to buy her a copy of uh, Hopeful it's Harold it's uh, and His Haunted oh, Home it, so that's, that's coming into our house soon <laughs> yes great timing <laughs> and it's good time of you because it's it's a haunted book. It's it's Halloween themed. Mm -hmm. We're in Halloween week. Yep. So anybody out there with it, what is it aimed at six, seven, eight year olds? That yeah, seven and up, I would say. Seven and up. Yeah, so a good time for anybody listening who uh, has that demographic living in their house. Um, haunted, no, not Haunted Harold. It's Hopeful Harold and his haunted home written by Rory Ray. That's R-E-A is the surname. Check that out on Amazon. Rory, not just a writer, but also an illustrator of this book. That's right. Yes, done both. Um, probably a bit different than the, than the normal writer. I actually, um, my process starts with storyboards and then I yeah. work the text around nice. them. So, so that's, that's how I kind of, my process works. Um, that's an interesting process. I like that. Yeah. As an artist. And it's not, sorry, just go ahead. As an artist, first and foremost, you kind of, it's, it's, I, I created the characters under the, under design before really I've developed the story. Um, which can get you into trouble after editing, to be fair. <laughs> Once you go back and forth, <laughs> yeah. is sometimes some, some of the drawings get scrapped and have to be restarted. So you have to kind of be patient with it as well, you know? Yeah, but uh, that's artistry, isn't it? No two artists have the same process, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's great that um, you share that with us, how it works for you. Does, does that... So an editor will come back to you and say, we have to get rid of this section. And you're thinking, oh, but I just spent the whole day doing <laughs> illustrating that page. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the frustration you have to put up with yeah. because of the process yeah. you've chosen. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And and let us know, is, is there more books to come? There is. Um, I'm currently, well, I'm very close to be finishing my second book. I oh, actually, right. initially, I had, had planned for it to be out maybe a month ago. Um, in the run, run into Halloween, hopefully get it, you know, kind of a launch with it. And then hopefully Harold 
off the back of it, coming into Halloween, have a bit of a boost as well in sales, but life, you know, sometimes getting the time to do these things and it's just been delayed. But yes, it yeah. should be out now, um, early next month. And it's, oh, it's, right. it's another one that in the race, it's spectacular space now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so that's the next one. Um, so that will be your branding, do you think? I mean, we're going to get into the bones of, of how you're running your, your indie auto business at the moment, but is that the branding, uh, alliterative yeah, yeah. titles all the time? That sounds great. Yeah. And so you're thinking of that from the start. You're not thinking of that six books down the line. What should my branding be? So that's something Rob yeah. and I often preach. Yeah, I um, come up with a title before I come up with anything else generally. Um, I've got a few stories in my head, uh, all titled without the, the story actually developed yet. So that's how it all starts for me. Fantastic! I love it. Love it. I think it's it's fantastic. My brother does a lot of artwork as well, so I appreciate the uh, the the process you have to go through to doing the storyboarding and things like that. So, Joe, I'm really looking forward to to hearing your journey so far, uh, Rory. So, I'm going to hit you with question number one: Um, Are you a full time author? So, no, I'm not a full time author. I actually balance a couple of jobs. I am a caricature Mm -hmm. artist. So I, oh great yeah so I travel around the country attending weddings and corporate events and and the likes drawing live caricatures. Um, so between that and my day job as a civil servant, um, I just fit the writing and the drawing in for the book in any evening or weekend that I I can spur really you know. So there is yeah. times it's very hard to schedule things. It's very hard to yeah. get in big deadlines and all the rest of it. Um, so at the minute really writing for me is more. It's more of a, just an enjoyment, um, mm-hmm. but something I kind of down the line hope to hope to have more time with. And yeah, so so we asked you, would you are you a full time author? You don't necessarily want to be a full time author, but you would love to be a full time creative in some sense, whether that's drawing caricatures yeah. or illustration. Yeah, that would probably be that would be the, the best way to put that. Yeah, I love caricature drawing as well. I love meeting people. Great. And um, yeah, yeah, it's just the the whole process of that. It's it's something I really enjoy. Can you do one of David? Well, well, I was going to ask. I can't. I was going to. Look at those teeth. (laughs) I'm a caricature. I'm a walking caricature. (laughs) Anyway, with the bald head and the beard and the big guy teeth. Perfect model, yeah. Um, So you're a professional illustrator. Uh, Rory, we have to ask you this. Have you seen the two indie authors branding and what is your take on it? Yeah, it's great. The the logo's great. Yeah. Oh, you like that? Yeah, okay, well, it's all cool. about, well, we passed that test. The first thing you learn as a caricature artist is to get um, a realistic um, kind of a lot. A lot of, a lot of caricatures would be just exaggerated for the sake of exaggeration. Like, really know who right. it is. So, so to get the likeness across is what you want. You want to be recognised. So, yes, I think the brand is yes. very good. Yes, great. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take that pull quote and we're gonna we're gonna run with that <laughs> one. We'll put that great. in our marketing. Yeah, <laughs> yes, branding's great. Rory Ray. <laughs> um, cool. So this. Question two of the seven questions probably doesn't pertain to a child's children's book author as much as it does somebody writing more contemporary fiction. But have you opted to go exclusive at Amazon for your ebook, or are you wide in that regard? I'm just I'm exclusive at Amazon, um, but as you say, right. it's not something that I like. I, I kind of focus more on the paperback. I think it's just more associated with children. I don't think there's too many yeah. ebook mm-hmm. ebooks for children. Really, is there? Um, yeah. So it's not something I take too much interest in at the minute. Um, so so it's just it's easy to just be exclusive with Amazon. Really, you know, I really in, in, invest too much otherwise. 
Yeah. yeah, paperback is your mo- is yeah. your priority, yeah. isn't it? Over yeah. ebook, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really good. Actually, it's funny. well, we've just had a long discussion about the process of getting books, paperback books, into bookshops as indie authors. That's the episode we've just uh, just mm-hmm. done. So, kind of, it's nicely because yeah, for you, yeah, my 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 little girl, she's got every single julia donaldson book going in her bookcases she doesn't have a tablet with any of them on because you know the yeah. kids want the books they want to hold them and stuff like that so yeah i can imagine you know question two here wider exclusive doesn't really yeah doesn't really register with you yeah it's interesting that as well though i think with because you know that generation are constantly on tablets and smartphones mm-hmm. and all the rest you think naturally that would have yeah. happened but it's it's nice, I think, that it's still the traditional way of having like a bedtime story with a paperback book or a hardback or yeah. You know. Actually, let me add. This has always interested me, Rory. You're the man to ask. Um, so a, a beautifully illustrated book like yours, how does that work on Kindle? Are we still getting the color and the yeah so proper the, illustrations? So, yeah. So what the the biggest issue there for me is. I have to put that into a vault. So print has to be done in a, in a CMYK format. Uh-huh. Right. So that looks that looks good color wise. That's a color term. Sorry, I should say um, that's a color term yeah. that we use for for printing on on the hard copies. Whereas ebooks would be RGB. It's known as two to completely different yes. color types. You can get conversions and things, but um, that's you'd have to basically have two different files. Yeah. To upload, have yeah. to have mm-hmm. the RGB uh, ready one f- for the digital ebooks, and then. The, the CMYK for, for paperback. I think I guess it also depends on what Kindle they got, right? Because I um I my my mother in law, yeah. she's got one of those old school Kindles that's just like a Game Boy screen almost, like the, that kind of dull greenish colour. Um mm-hmm. whereas I mean most of the more newer ones have colour I I have a tablet, I have like a Kindle Fire. So I, I I downloaded by mistake a comic book as an e file instead of buying it, and so yeah. I read it on there. And like it was fine to read on there because all the color was fine. But I guess it would depend. I wouldn't be able to read it on my phone like I would yeah, because it. you wouldn't get you can get it all right. right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's it. I mean, if you're if you're trying to read it like my book on a phone, it's just not going. You're not going to get the experience yeah. of it. It's all that hard work put into to just basically not even really you know kind yeah. of see the images and things. So yeah. It's fascinating, fascinating, different challenges. Do you know what I mean? Because we're, you know, we're just That's writing it. books, you're doing the illustrating and stuff. So, and this is why we love having um, people from every different avenue of um, self publishing on here. I'm going to go to number qu- uh, question number three for you. Um, hopefully, be more uh, pertinent <laughs> is uh, name the <laughs> one service you use as an independent creative that you cannot do without. So, for me, again, as an artist, it's, it's, uh, it's a software called Procreate. Um, which I use yeah. to complete complete all of my illustrations. Um, it's a it's a brilliant app. It's it's like a one off payment. I think I paid something like twenty pounds for it. There's no multi prescription. Oh, wow. It's it's fantastic. It's um, before the site would have used Photoshop, and for me, it's 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 as good. It it really is good. You can you can add layers. You can you can do whatever you want. And then from there, um, it's just a matter of using the likes of something like Canva or something to, to lay the text over it. So for me, right. for me, I couldn't, I couldn't do this without Procreate. It would be impossible, really. Well, so you're producing 100% of your book's aesthetic. The you're formatting it, you're illustrating it, you're writing the text. It's all you. Everything's me. Yeah, yeah. So 
Wow, that's a, that's a great achievement, yeah. uh, Rory. That, that really is, and the book looks amazing. Um, so yeah, that that's a great that that's a great answer for somebody looking into this sort of uh, children's literature. It's a, is it go create? Is that what you said? Pro create. Oh, procreate. Yes, yes, yeah. And it's the one-off, like the one-off nice. payment for for like, like Apple and things like that. You know, it's it's really worth going down for illustrators or anybody yeah. who wants to do what I'm doing. I, I could recommend it highly enough. Do you just to say, right. a follow-up question? Do you use that with a like a tab and a pen? Can you draw on? Yeah. To... Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So nice. Just on the iPad. Oh, that is impressive. Right. So, question four, then, Rory, and this is in, this is always interesting. Again, in in your particular genre, um, how do you market your book? Because presumably, with a children's book, you're not marketing your book to the reader. Mm-hmm. That's it. You're not marketing this book to seven year olds, yeah. right? You're you're marketing this book to forty five year olds who might have a seven year old at home. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. So how do you do it? Do you do Facebook ads or Amazon ads? I do anything? Amazon ads, yeah. Um, kind of, I'm still, I mean, when the book's out a year now, it's, I'm still experimenting with what's right there. Some things work, some things don't. Um, like it's right. coming up to Halloween, for example, it's, it's you can obviously target better. Um, but mm-hmm. I do find it's still a big learning curve for me, the Amazon ads. Um, yeah. I've probably, I've done, I've done Facebook, you know, Facebook groups have been a name of, I've done, just general media posts and all the rest and yeah following with it um you know book launches uh, contacting local newspapers and all the rest i find that i have this is where my other job kind of comes in really handy that being a caricature artist uh one of the first questions you'll be asked as a caricature artist is this your real job or what else do you do and it's just uh, a great way to meet people and and kind of sell your book yeah. in person to them you know yeah um and I, you get a lot, it's amazing how much word of mouth has worked for me in that sense. Um, yeah. So, um, I haven't actually t- done this, but um, this year, this this sort of Christmas coming up, um, and actually next week following, I'm attending a few short fairs. Okay. So, oh, cool. So there's going to be, for schools, you know, local schools and things, with, you know, a lot of kids there. So I've come up with this idea where Instead of getting a payment for for doing that, um, I would if someone buys the book, they'll get a free caricature per person. Nice, so great incentive. Yeah, well, I mean, I've done you know any gigs you do, kids are lining up to get their drawing done. Yeah, so it was just mm-hmm. it kind of kind of bring them both together. So that's that's my strategy going forward, um, which I'm kind of excited about. That's very sound strategy. Yeah, Makes a lot of sense. So, you, if you're hired for a wedding, say, yeah. or a big party, um, as a caricature artist, will you have like a dozen books with you? Well, no, that's that's the thing. That's it's it's difficult, and that's why school school events and things are difficult. You can't bring that kind of oh. supply with oh, you. Oh, but what right. what of what, of, what I intend to do is, I will be I will be set up to draw the caricatures, and I'll also have sort of a cardboard cutouts of some of the characters with like a QR code oh, yeah. to the Amazon. Nice. Um, and then basically if they can shoot pr- purchase there and then then they get a free caricature so that's the idea great wow, yeah, so we'll see how brilliant. it goes I love it I love it I love it I love hearing these new ideas and I love this yeah. like thinking of how you can combine you said you want to do the creative or you want to be a full time creative so take one thing you're doing and combining it with the other to develop an even bigger opportunity yeah. and that will just grow and grow because you're going to keep doing these events and the more books you have and the more characters you have dotted around you and I mean yeah. you could 
you can start selling it to your website and doing it direct and all that. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, Question number five, Rory, is what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? Um, I wish probably, I don't know if this really answers the question, but I probably wish that I knew it was possible to do it sooner. Mm. Um, right, yes. Just having the kind of, it's, I mean, as I said, yeah, I have, I've had these stories, you know, these kind of ideas in my head without actually ever taking the plunge and, and putting them on, on paper. Or, um, I kind of just wish I knew the process of it and that it was possible before I did. You know, the likes of discovering podcasts like a shelf. You know, yeah. even when I re- released the book last year, friends and, and you know, people probably saying things like, what do you mean you're writing a book? Like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a... Yeah an idea and probably was to me myself just seemed impossible that, that unless you had sort of professional backing whether it be a publisher or whatever that it seemed mm-hmm. impossible and, and I suppose I just wish it kind of stumbled across, across this sort of self-publishing journey earlier probably uh, Yeah it's a really good answer because we, we feel the same ourselves I mean I, I feel Jesus when I think that I, I spent all of my 30s writing football articles and I know that that was a dream of mine when I was a kid that's what I wanted to do but I think Jesus I could have been writing novels and selling and, and being really yeah. independent yeah. you know I I, 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 I absolutely hear uh, your answer there because I wish I had started it five to ten years earlier yeah. as well um, it's just about as you say finding this podcast or podcasts or even those sort of outliers who have done it and you think, oh, if you can do it, I'm going to try, you know, mm-hmm. fine. It wasn't until I found Mark Dawson really that I believed that I could do this independently yeah. and really put myself out there. And it's like you say too, with, you know, it's it's completely changed the world of publishing, you know, trying to get a traditional contract is not really the be all and end. Although I actually did get offered one there last year when I went searching for oh, one cool. and um, to the point where I signed it and... And, and ended up exercising my 14-day get-out clause for a wow, did you? Yeah, right. just because, you know, I kind of think I knew deep down that wasn't the right way to go about it and, like, you have full control over, over yeah. your, your own book. And, uh, you know, as you guys say, like, no one's going to push your book as much as you will yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, yeah. You, you really do, with a publisher, have a very short shelf life of when they're going to actually market it and push yeah, it. Yeah, So, yeah. Um, so, that's a first starter. That's a... Oh, sorry, I spoke over there, Rory. Really? Um, that's a frustration of yours, and it's been a frustration of ours, which actually brings us on to question six, which asks, what's the biggest frustration for you as an independent author? Um, for me personally, it's probably learning as learning my genre. Um, so, so there's a lot of information out there for for children's books for 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 early readers because in starting to you know that that kind of really young baby age and then it kind mm-hmm. of adults yeah. kind of feel like there's a bit missing there in the middle where you know, mm-hmm. my book's actually a light novel for early readers although it's a picture yeah. book as well it's 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 aimed it's still a chapter book yeah it's still a chapter book I, yeah. like, for example a lot of the information you're taking in email marketing and things like that I don't know how that applies to myself because mm-hmm. you know you've, you could have a list of, of so many customers that potentially won't They'll be too old to read that book in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. You know, things yeah. like that. I just yeah. think still a lot of learning to do. So it's kept... Yeah, and to, a lot of the lessons we teach about having your email list, it sort of doesn't relate to you because, like you say, you'll have the 44-year-old on your email list, but their 7-year-old's going to be a 10-year-old in three years' time and it's no longer your yeah. customer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I would definitely be utilizing schools. I, if I was writing children's books, I would be trying to get my foot into as many schools yeah. as possible. But of course, with your full-time job and your, your caricature and your illustration work, it's it's finding the time. Yeah. But again, as, as that's where I'm kind of, I'm quite excited about the future with the likes of these um, fairs and, you know, school fairs and things like that. I just think it's yeah, it's a bit unique in terms of, of, of selling books. And I think that could really work in my favor. So I am excited about that. As you say, for this genre, I think you have to be kind of face to face meet your customers, and oh. yeah, well, that's thing, my plan. Thing is, Rory, is you saying there's like a gap there because I, I write fiction that I read. I read like action fiction and crime fiction, so it's pretty easy for me to get all the information I need because I'm writing to the customer base that I already exist in. Um, and they're saying there's this kind of like a disconnect because that information's not there. So you can be the one to find out what you need to do to become a you know a, a high flying independent kids illustrator yeah. slash well, author. I mean, you, you can be the outlier there. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, pressure. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I, I, yeah. From pressure, we make diamonds. Um, but I will <laughs> go on to uh, question number seven. Uh, the final question, um, it's been fascinating to talk to you today. Um, and that's, what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners? I would I would take in as much information as you can about how the process works. I mean, I, as I, I released this a year ago with very naive thinking that you know, the book will be a certain quality and so it'll be fine. Mm. And it's, it's just not the way it works, as you guys know. You have, I wish I had put more into the launch. I wish I'd known things things like that. For example, whenever you put your title in on KDP and you get your subtitle, I never bothered with that subtitle and you can't change that now. It's yeah. things, little things that have such a big impact because obviously that's that. that that's what I'll do with the uh, Amazon algorithm and all the rest. So I just kind of wish I'd put a bit more um, emphasis and learn how the process works because you get the book done and you're excited to get it out there and you just kind of do it without without yeah. planning ahead that mm-hmm. way. Um, so that's that's the advice I would give. Just, just, just take the time to learn how the process works. It's great advice and it's advice you will carry on as you go to book two and three Absolutely. and four and, and and as they go on you will you will learn from the mistakes you've made uh, which is which is how Rob and I have done it. Uh, Rory, that's amazing. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. I want our listeners to check out funkydoodles.co.uk. You will find Rory's book on that website. You will also see a list of uh, his services and some awesome examples of his illustrative work and caricature work. Uh, Rory Ray, thanks so much for giving us your time this morning. No, I really appreciate it, guys. I love the show. Keep up the good work. Uh, wonderful to speak to Rory, uh, David, and for him to face our seven questions. It's nice to have another um, children's illustrator and author on the show. I think we've had a couple now. Yeah, really interesting. It's it, it. This is one area that actually quite fascinates mm. me um, because it's slightly different. It's it, because they're so physical, children's books, you know what I mean? They don't really work so well in Kindle and download. It's it's a totally mm. different process. I'm delighted to see Rory's doing really well and his book looks amazing. I know my seven-year-old would, would uh, lap that book up. <laughs> so um, yeah, thanks so much, Rory, for joining us on the show. We wish you all the success in the future.
Um, thank you to another friend of the show. We keep marking them off. We do. And if you'd like to become a friend of the show and join us for the seven questions, you can find the sign-up sheet to join us on our Facebook group, on our Instagram, and on our website, www.twoindieauthors.co.uk. David, we've kicked off year two of the podcast. It's been wonderful to speak to you again. Uh, what are you doing for the rest of the week before I speak to you? I really need to get um, dug into this. So I've got a novella coming out at the end of November, oh, nice. which is 80% written, I would say. Um, so I, I need to get the conclusion of that done, hopefully over the next week or two weeks. And then it will, that will give me two or three weeks of redrafting yeah. before it goes off to the editor at that stage. So... I mean, I have some important meetings coming up regarding the screenplay, but at the moment, for the next two weeks, my main focus has to be getting that novella out because it's on pre-order, and you know yourself, once it's on pre-order, um, that's pretty much been top. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Uh, what about you, Rob? Where are you at this stage? It's marketing for you over the next it week? It is, although obviously it's, it's, it's book one of a series and I've already got a blog tour, so I'm not going to do massive. I've got mailing list stuff to do. What I'm currently doing at the moment is my proofreader. I got a new proofreader about five books ago. He's gone over all my previous books. So I'm actually going through and fixing loads of it's oh, fucking laborious though, man. I'll tell you that. It's, it's yeah, yeah. I, I know you like the editing bit and like because you're college lecturer nerd guy but i oh, i hate i hate yeah. doing all this like fixing all the books and all that but i've done I'm about halfway through what he sent me so far so i'll do a couple of those i'll get everything lined up and then i've got a rough plot of the next sam pope book because i believe nanorimo starts next week so i starting writing mm-hmm. again so that'll be me um i'll be on the new book next time i speak to you so um thank you for this week david and to our thank listeners you. who have been listening to